The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 246. I hope that you are doing very well today. If you are struggling with OCD or anxiety, then you can get a free session with me to get that. All you need to do is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com and there you can leave me a message uh, and we can arrange that free session. Or if you prefer, um, you can actually use my Calendly and you can book that free session directly yourself. In today's podcast, I speak with the amazing Dr. Rolla Hallam. Rolla has an absolutely uh, brilliant and um, inspiring story to, to share with us today on the podcast. Uh, so I wanted to kind of give you some, some background about her. <clears throat> Rolla was born a doctor. She just didn't know that her home country of Syria would shatter into a million pieces, killing over 30 members of her family, and that she would wield her voice, uh, stethoscope and humanity as weapons greater than bullets and bombs. Dr. Ruller is a multi-award winning physician, humanitarian, campaigner, speaker, social entrepreneur and coach. She's the first Syrian TED Fellow and the founder of Can Do, a humanitarian organization supporting frontline health and aid workers to save children's lives in their war-devastated communities. She has helped build seven hospitals in Syria, including the first-ever crowdfunded hospital, altogether serving over four million people. As a global advocate for health and human rights in conflicts, she has shared the stages with, uh, with presidents, celebrities, and grassroots activists. She is a TED and Google speaker, and her work has featured in most media, from the New York Times to The Daily Show, including two BBC documentaries. Her online talks have been seen over 11 million times, inspiring thousands to become changemakers. Rolla believes the world needs more visionaries, idealists, rebels, and troublemakers, People who stand up, speak out, and lead for change. She is on a mission to make this a reality, to support people facing illness, injustice, and indifference, and not just to survive, but to thrive. She thinks the, uh, the, the corporate world holds the key to epic change. After recovering from burnout and trauma, Dr. Roller emerged a warrior, embodying the power of Rumi's poetry. Yesterday, I was clever so I wanted to change the world. Today I'm wise, so I'm changing myself. Um, for me, this is a really great uh, conversation because obviously Rudder's been through so much, been through some very difficult and traumatic experiences um, and really struggled with, with anxiety and all sorts of, uh, of challenges. And she went into that experience and was able to learn so much from it and come out the other side a much stronger person. And so she shares, obviously, her story today and how she was able to do that. Uh, as I said, I think it's very inspiring and, um, and I really think it's going to be helpful. To get in touch with Dr. Roller, you can check out her website at drrollerhallam.com. Uh, I'll include a link in the show notes if you, uh, if you want to follow that there, then you can. So... Many thanks, guys. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And I really hope that you enjoy. Hi, Rada. Welcome to the podcast. Mm, thank you for having me. That's great to, to have you on. So to start off with, could you just tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, please? Hmm. So I always half jokingly say I was born a doctor because I really remember when I was growing up in Damascus in Syria being aged six or seven and playing with my 
siblings and cousins and insisting on being the surgeon who was performing the life-saving surgeries on our Barbies and Cindy's. And when we moved to the UK from Syria, I was age 12, I didn't speak any English. And when it came to applying to universities, my teachers told me that my GCSE grades weren't good enough and that should maybe I should apply for chemistry or biology instead. And I thought it was the most preposterous suggestion. Like, of course I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> and um, I applied and one medical school gave me my place. And um, so grateful to God that, yeah, it's now been 19 years since I've been a doctor and um, honored to have been able to build seven hospitals and, and impact the lives of a, over 4 million people in, in my war-torn country. Um, so really that's all to say that for a long time, my my mission was to save lives, and um, and I was practicing in the UK until 2011, when when the protests broke out in my in my home country, and um, that kind of propelled me out of anesthesia and into the humanitarian work and into frontline work and into a completely different sphere of work and pretty much altering my life forever. So. Um, but that's probably something that many of our listeners will will also identify with that you've you've got plan A and then life goes, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> you well, thought this was your plan, but actually this is your plan. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And boy, that sounds like really quite a quite an extreme version of that though. Mm. Um mm. so what was that like to to have such a, such a big change to go from living in the UK to so going to Syria, where there is a war happening, and and you you were, you know, working as a doctor there and setting up these hospitals. What what was that mm. experience like? Gosh, I mean, to be honest with you, um, I just thought it was going to last a few weeks, maybe a few months, mm. you know. And I had no idea that this year was going to be the eleventh year anniversary of it. So, um. I, I stayed in the UK, but basically, and I was working full time, but what I ended up doing was sort of just then working 24 seven, you know, like every every day and every second and every minute that I wasn't in an operating theater here in, in the UK, I would be fundraising, raising awareness, um, you know, on Skype, remember Skype before Zoom, um, on Skype, you know, um, building hospitals and, and collecting supplies. And then every holiday would be, medical missions to to Syria mm. to help build the hospitals and deliver aid and treat patients. And I think I had no idea the impact that it had on me until very recently, until two years ago when it was the 10th anniversary and, and, and I suddenly just collapsed into a, a valley of, of, of darkness that, you know, initially I, called burnout but turns out to be so much more than that because I think it's just it was grief and trauma and and just you know all the every sad face and every heartbroken face and every sorrowful situation and every burnt child I treated it was my 30 members of my family who were killed it was being exiled from my home country it was just everything mm. that I didn't really grieve that I didn't really pause to think about you know the way I dealt with it and the way that so many of us deal with stuff you know especially those of us who are you know health workers aid workers activists social entrepreneurs coaches healers you know we our our way of coping often is through action mm. and through you know doing something about the situation and doing something about the problem which is admirable and beautiful because it's meant that I have made some tangible, you know, impact in the world. But the the other side of it is that you then neglect yourself, your own health, your own being, mm. and you can only do that for so long before. <laughs> yeah, there's always <laughs> you know, a, there's it always... catches up, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I, I think, you know, we unfortunately to make a positive difference in the world, you know, we have to uh, to put ourselves out there and, and give a lot of ourselves in the process. 
it doesn't mean that it always has to be uh, a difficult experience uh, i'm sure there um, we'll probably get into this there's ways of giving of yourself without giving yourself away completely and mm. it's 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 mm. quite hard to do to tread that line in a way i think that is that is healthy uh, but it's definitely possible but i think uh, the situation that you're describing uh must have been incredibly hard i mean it's very hard for me to imagine uh some mm. of the things you were just talking about there mm. Mm. um mm. and so yeah yeah i mean i think like with so much in life isn't it it there's what you read or even hear or see on the news and then there's your own experience of it right like um we can all empathize up to a certain point with somebody who's going through a painful experience but um it often takes you going through it to really fully know like with every cell of your body know what it really is mm. like um so I I definitely I get that and I completely agree with you there is absolutely a way of of us giving but not um to the point of sacrificing our health wealth and happiness which is what a lot of us do do mm. um, and I think a big part of the reason that I was able to be resilient and stay the course for so long um is because I was really following my calling and it was following my mission and it was following my purpose and there is so much that you receive when you do give there is so much that you receive when you are um in a position of you know, supporting and, and helping others. Mm. Um, but, you know, this is why I'm now so passionate about the work that I am doing now to support other health workers and aid workers to recover from their burnout and recovery to say that actually we do need to put the oxygen mask on ourselves first. Mm. We do need to prioritise ourselves and that is not selfish. In fact, it is our highest expression of love and compassion to say mm. that if I want to support you in the best way possible, I need to be the best version of myself. You don't want me burnt out, traumatized, um, trying to treat you, right? Um, we cannot heal the world if we are deeply wounded. Mm. Um, and yet so many of us are doing exactly that, hauling ourselves into battle battered, bruised and broken and then wondering why history is repeating itself and why we're unable to break these, you know, repeated circles of war, violence and trauma. Mm. And I think the the answer is exactly that. It's like physician heal thyself, right? We all need to heal ourselves to be the best version of ourselves and that's how we are going to be able to, to break those cycles. Mm. Okay. Um, and so, and so, during this really difficult time, what what are some of the the kind of main lessons that that you've learned from that experience that you think are applicable to to people who may be struggling with you know maybe not the same kind of a difficult mm. experience that you went through, but you know difficult times in their own lives that that are very challenging for them, where they're finding it yeah. hard to to find that balance and to to deal with the emotions and the anxieties in their in their life yes you've made some some very clear kind of understandings or breakthroughs from your experiences yes 100 percent. which is you know mm -hmm. what I go through with my with my clients that I work with now and mm. look the the hugest one I would say is and 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 the thing that actually broke me right open and enabled me to start my healing journey in the very first space was self-compassion mm. I think so many of us are driven by guilt by shame you know as soon as I used to kind of um in any way feel my pain you know there'd be this nasty voice like don't be so pathetic this isn't about you you know this is about the people who you're helping you know it's not your sister who was your it was raped it was not your you know house that was burnt it wasn't wasn't da, 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 da. this nasty voice that would basically tell me to shut the f up and crack on right and i think we all have a version of that guilt shaming voice and you know the first thing I want to say about that is that if you do have that voice know that it is a voice of trauma and seek help and seek support from a coach a therapist or someone else because I had no idea 
that that was it. I used to even carry that as a badge of honor. You know, look how much I'm care. I care, right? I'm pushing through my pain and ignoring mm. it to to support others. And what really created a, a a paradigm shift for me was when I finally was able to sit there and say, "And you have suffered so much." Yeah. Yeah. And you have sacrificed so much, mm. you know, and acknowledge myself for my pain and for my hurt and for everything and bring love, kindness and compassion to that. And that was transformational. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, unfortunately, there's there's so much um, stigma almost uh, against doing this. Uh, particularly in, in the UK, there's this kind of traditional stiff upper lip ideology that is still still very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, in some regards, in some ways, I think it's it's important, but in other ways, it's definitely not. And I think um, reflecting on on that and how this lack of self compassion really is at the heart of of so many issues related to to anxiety, mm. OCD, trauma um Mm. it's Mm. uh it's a really important part of the puzzle I recognize it in myself Mm -hmm. um so so what are some of the ways then that that you help people to 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 become a bit more self-compassionate well I mean a little bit of of it is what I said to you is that and I, I love how the um the poet and mystic um Rumi describes it. He said, you know, yesterday I was clever, so I tried to change the world. Today I am wise, so I'm changing myself. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that that is who I emerge out of my valley of burnout. You know, that I was in I am embodying those words. And that is what I now talk to my clients. It's like mm. if you really want to make the world a better place in whichever capacity that you are. And even if that's at your tiny, tiny capacity, like being a better mother, father, daughter, you know, like then that that is about you changing yourself. And that means prioritizing yourself. That means putting the oxygen mask on yourself first. That means really knowing that you deserve, mm. you deserve to focus on yourself. Mm. In fact, I would take it that one step further and say, until you are... <laughs> Until you have dealt with your traumas or healed your wounds or dealt with your health issues, that is your number one job. Mm. Like you, ha- you have nothing else to do until you are feeling well, because everything else is going to come from that sense of wellness that you have. And, and I don't mean just physical wellness. I mean, mental wellness, spiritual wellness, right? Mm. Um Psychological wellness. So I think a lot of people have this idea, as I did, that this is selfish if I did that you know and so this is what I work a lot with my clients on is realizing that actually no this is the very opposite of selfishness um and then I start to really help once we kind of deal with these limiting beliefs and actually realize that this is in fact our highest act of service it's like then it's actually a um a a question of um getting people into a calm state Mm. right we've all once you have gotten to that state your your nervous system is completely dysregulated right you're either stuck in fight and flight and in anxiety mode and overdrive mode and you know that sort of survival through action or perhaps you'd gone to where I had gone and you'd gone into that complete you know I call it my crab in my shell you know you've disconnected you're under the duvet you're out you've your battery is empty your memory is full and you you know you've um your your you you don't have anything to give and so um a lot of it is how do we get you feeling safe mm. right because you can't really do healing work until your nervous system until your physiology is telling you ah okay things are safe mm. right and so it's really important that and i love to do that through breathwork techniques and different embodiments so that we can actually start to change that signal from you know alarm alarm alert alert be vigilant must must be going 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 to i'm fine Mm. everything's fine you know and and kind of doing that state of calm um and i find i found meditation in my own practice 
transformational. Um, and so I, I definitely suggest that to my clients, albeit what works for different people doesn't necessarily work for everybody, right? So it's very much about, I think, all of us tuning into what works for us and following our impulses. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very true. I know for a fact that, um, unfortunately, some people with OCD can find meditation quite difficult because mm -hmm. if they just sit and close their eyes, then they just get flooded with unwanted thoughts and images and uh, all sorts of things. Exactly. That, uh, whereas, you know, different types of breath work, for example, mm -hmm. that are more active uh, mm -hmm. and more physical in nature can actually be uh, a lot more helpful or body scan meditations or absolutely yeah yes I love um one of the things that I found um really transformational for me was qigong um the one of the five pillars of Chinese medicine and and that is sort of slow flowing movements that um are all about turning stress into vitality so there's mm -hmm. a lot of different shaking movements and kind of um, almost like, um, you know, uh, what's this like Tarzan, like, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> fist bumping the chest. But actually what that does is is, is release energy, mm. release that stress, turn it into vitality so that you're circulating the stress around your body as opposed to holding it, which is what a lot of us do. Right. We hold mm. it for me, like my neck and shoulders, for example, are my like. Yeah a really sensitive marker of like how relaxed or not I am, you know, because I can end up in that like, you know, shoulders yeah. around your, no, your ears well. kind of thing. You yeah. know, that one, you know, yeah. that one yeah. as well. I, I tend to hold it in my jaw and I know because it gets oh, so God, yeah. it gets so stiff sometimes that that I just you know, I, I crack my jaw. Um yes. and it's yes. uh yeah, it's just the tension just goes there and it's... Um, 100%. Yeah. But this is, you know, what I want to say to everyone listening. And I think intellectually, when I say to you, body is connected to mind, to heart, to, to soul, to, to, to everything, we kind of all go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really is. And here's the thing. You might not be able to tell what's affecting you in that specific thing. But for example, I had chronic back pain for three years and none of the physio and physical things I was doing was helping it and I really was getting kind of quite down about it mm. and after I embarked on my healing journey and after I cried a river my back pain is gone mm. and now that I've been dealing with my core wounds around childhood my jaw pain is pretty much gone so this is what I want to say is that, you know, we do hold our anxiety, our tension, our traumas in different parts of our body. Mm, and absolutely. whilst it may feel daunting to embark on facing some of these old stories, traumas, darkness, mm. actually it's been my experience that it has, it has healed me not just at a mental health level, an emotional level but at a physical level mm. um it's been you know profound yeah absolutely absolutely okay and 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 so with your your kind of own own story um you mentioned earlier that two years ago you had this quite uh well not quite very very difficult experience mm. um mm. could you tell us more about that please mm. so it was the 10 year anniversary of the war in Syria and I was releasing um, a second BBC panorama documentary that was um, featuring my work. Um, the first was in 2013. It was shown to hundreds of millions of, of people around the world. It was mm. uh, it had captured a, a war crime that I had seen, which was um, a school full of children was bombed and it was uh, dozens of severely burnt children who came into one of the hospitals I'd set up. And so that was the initial documentary. And this one was a follow on to show that actually there were still so many schools that were being bombed. And so my my charity can do that. I had founded um, a few years earlier. We were running a campaign to implement some warning systems into some of these high risk schools so that we can maybe um, give you know, evacuation um, 
alerts before any bombs had happened and and maybe save some children's lives you know um from from injury or from 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 death and so I was there I was on the BBC doing an interview and I have this out of body experience where I'm suddenly I'm looking at myself and and I just was suddenly like what the f I can't believe it's been 10 years Mm. I can't believe I'm still talking about the same things Mm. and I just had this most catastrophic sense of failure I felt like an absolute worthless piece of crap I just thought everything is useless I'm useless um I just suddenly thought I can't I can't keep doing this anymore I can't go on anymore. I'm so confused. I, and that kind of was really an unraveling into this, you know, this this sort of the paradox of 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 the situation, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of us has felt where you felt like your battery was empty, but you felt so full mm, at the same yeah. time. You know, I call it a bit like your memory is full on the phone, but your battery is empty, right? So you you can't take in any more. That's it. Like yeah. the, the tiniest thing was overwhelming. It was just like it was it was literally the, the the straw that broke the camel's back. And it was just like, I can't I can't look at the news anymore. I can't do this. anymore. I just can't. You know, it was just shut down. Um, and I knew. That it was time to do what I hadn't done, which was to. Slow down and feel in order to heal. Mm. I knew that just running from one campaign to the next, from one this to the next, you know, action, action, action was no longer possible. It was no longer the solution. It was no longer the answer. It was it was time to just deal with the gigantic amount of stuff mm. that had happened in the 10 years before that. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there were days when just overwhelming sobbing would happen and I would just let it. Um, there were days when I would just feel furious and rage. Um, just so many different emotions, images, smells, everything would come would come back and I just allowed it and I held it in as much as I could with that love and kindness and compassion that I was telling you about. Mm. Um, um, and um, it was a very discombobulating time um, because, you know, for any of us who find ourselves in that situation, you know, you've, you, um, we don't know what to do about it, do you? Like initially, anyway, you just sort of, it feels like it's so out of your hand that all you can do is just like be it do you know what I'm saying like it took mm. me quite a while to just suddenly kind of go oh okay how am I going to deal with this you know beyond the just like being it does that make sense you know Absolutely, so that took yeah. me a while of yeah. of then starting to find oh all about trauma and studying trauma and and how do I regulate my nervous system again and you know realizing holy crap I've been in fight stuck in fight and flight for 10 years I had no idea you know Mm, um I just had no I had disconnected so much from my body and my my sense of it that it took months to retune reconnect and um and come out of that and it was Mm. then it was like what (laughs) I felt like (laughs) you know I just come out and suddenly I was like wow I had no idea I was so stressed out and I was so you know I just really had no idea sounds you know it sounds so stupid when I say that because you know so many people who would hear it would be like well oh of course that was going to be stressful and it was like I just had no idea how much it had impacted me because you normalize it don't you yeah absolutely and when you're in the middle of it like you say we have this this tendency to believe that we should just be able to get on with it and mm-hmm. you know and and we put ourselves under this enormous pressure you know like uh, and particularly if you're if you're working towards something that's very much related to your values uh trying to be of service to to people um you can put 
as we were talking about earlier, you can put aside all of the the important things that we need to be doing in order to take care of ourselves. Put yeah. that to one side altogether, ignore it, and believe that we should be like uh, you know, a super superhero, solve mm-hmm. solve everything and not care about what actually needs uh to be taken care of ourselves. Exactly um yes. you know and so it doesn't it doesn't surprise me i think it's um it's a trait that that many of us have uh, i know many people with ocd for example tend to have um this this kind of hyper responsibility the sense mm-hmm. of i am responsible for everybody else's well-being yes. and happiness and safety um and therefore you know they they get caught up in uh, compulsions that that are basically just a, around keeping everybody else safe um you know which unfortunately just ends with them you know staying very trapped um you know so oh my god yes <laughs> that i connected and resonated with that so so much um and 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 i remember like in the, in the first kind of initial few weeks just just keep, I kept saying to my husband, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like I felt broken, you know, I felt like uh, I, I was so confused. I, I went from this, you know, I'm a TED speaker. I'm, you know, invited to meet President Obama. I'm speaking on all of the high profile media. I'm getting shit done to suddenly just dysfunctional, you know, and and just really felt like, a bit like you said, trapped, mm. you know, broken and trapped. And um, and like I was just massively letting everybody down. Like, mm. like, like everything in the world was my responsibility. And here I was falling apart and not upholding my responsibility. And that's a terrible, terrible feeling, isn't it? Like mm. that alone is anxiety inducing. Yeah. yeah. Until you finally bring that love and kindness and go, oh no, hang on, wait. Mm. Absolutely. It isn't my responsibility. Oh, no, wait. My only responsibility right now is to feel better and to get myself feeling better and to, and to heal um, mm. and and then trust that the rest will take care of itself. But it can take us a while to arrive at that realisation, doesn't it? Okay. And and so, so have you, were you following some particular uh, trauma uh, approach or, or therapy or was this more that you delved into the literature and um, did your own research and created your own kind of path uh, into into healing yeah so um being a physician I already obviously had a significant amount of um medical training mm-hmm. and knowledge that I could kind of borrow from and, and learn from and um, and a lot of resources um, available to me. So that was definitely a huge part of it. Um, another big part of it was um, the wisdom traditions. And um, I'm a Sufi. Um, I'm also um, uh, vast in Buddhism. And so there was definitely a huge amount that I took from both of those um, traditions that was for me transformational because I, I really believe that underneath all trauma, underneath any fracture is the fracture of our spirit. And, and, and so it would, no matter which way you end up getting to it, whether through plant medicine, whether through talk therapy, whatever, whichever path you take towards that healing, um, it needs to result in the healing of your spirit. And so that for me was definitely foundational, the, the bringing that in. And then and then there was some of the, um, no, the embodiment and nervous system regulation. Mm. Um, so I did training in that, and that definitely was appealed to the geeky doctor within because that was really you know we talk so much about mental health but we don't often ground it in the body and Mm. and and it felt so much more aligned with my my lived experience Mm. to to root it in nervous system and therefore what is it that I need to do at that level to bring myself into safety and security and calm and stability um so I did some training in that. Um, that's when obviously I also did my life coaching. Um, and so I I wove together 
if you like, these different strands, what I love to call the art and science of, mm -hmm. of trauma. And, um, and of course, central to that, my own personal experience of having, you know, gone through that valley and, and come out of survival and, and, and into a thriving life that I feel so, you know, grateful to God every day that I'm, I'm now, I'm now not only out of it, but willing and able to guide others who, you know, may still find themselves stranded in the dark um, and um, afraid yeah. to face yeah. it. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's really powerful that you, you know, you've been through these experiences yourself. You were, you know, you're, you're a doctor anyway, so you have that uh, underpinning there and the way you were mm. able to bring that together, you know, I'm, I'm sure people find it incredibly helpful because they know that you've you've been there yourself and i think for many people that's um you know that's a really important and helpful uh lifeline that, that mm. you provide with that um yeah i think the hugest thing for me that i love to always mention to people is that now that i have come out through the other side I now no longer think of where I was nor therefore of anyone who comes to me as broken mm. it was just where you are in your journey and of course you're where you were because of everything that happened to you that you went through that you did um and so I now if you like have through this experience transition from someone who thought of themselves as a savior to a servant. Now it's like, I don't need to fix you and save you and help you. This isn't that hierarchy, hierarchical relationship where you're coming to me to fix you. It's no, you can heal yourself. You have innate wisdom. You have innate healing capacity. You yeah. have all of the tools available to you and within you the answers are all within you but what I feel now able to do is hold that space mm, yeah, yeah. For, for someone to unfold to allow to feel the feelings big and small to go through it um without that overwhelm mm. Yeah, absolutely. Right, providing that safe container and and yeah. so that they can go through their own transformation. And I will be there to guide, mentor, coach, support, make mm. you laugh when you when you need to, put a firecracker up your ass when you really need to, whatever it is that you need to. But mostly, it's actually for you to do that own healing and transformation mm. um, and reconnect to yourself to the divine within you and without to everyone around you because that's exactly what ends up happening in these instances we fracture off right we feel so isolated mm. yeah these 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 so-called illnesses or issues can make us feel so alone you know like every we we start to think everyone else has got their shit together except me i'm the only one who's like broken here do you know what i mean and then mm. actually i think this is this is partly why I'm having lived that experience and, and going through it with others. I am able to say, I assure you, <laughs> I assure you, A, you're not alone and B, you're not the only one who's going through this. And I think it's so important that we, we actually appreciate that and realize that and, and reconnect to that, to that, to, to love around us and within. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, also, some of the things that you were talking about, I mean, I do um, the the Wim Hof method, mm. um, which is obviously breath work and uh, and and cold exposure. Mm. Um, and when you're in the ice, for example, you know, this is a this is actually a really good kind of training place for putting yourself in a, a stressful situation. Um, as long as you do it in a safe in a safe way, it, you know, mm -hmm. it's uh, it can be incredibly helpful because you know, your, your nervous system is going to be uh, ramped up. You're going to have all of these experiences going on inside your body, pain, discomfort, that, that want to escape, um, you know, and, and everything is, is mm. kind of difficult in that, in that situation. And 
what you can do is calm everything down by slowing the breathing down um trying to focus on that discomfort trying to actually move your attention towards what you're feeling rather than escape mm-hmm. um which is you know generally speaking when we first get in for the first minute it's incredibly painful you know your hands and feet are mm. are literally in in pain and mm. you know you have that that fight or flight response mm-hmm. comes online um some people panic a lot but if you remain and if you just breathe um slowly as possible and calmly you can actually learn how to 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 kind of control your nervous response mm. and to move towards a discomfort and and to start you know well to at least become curious about that pain you know which i think is the beginnings of acceptance um you know, and it's uh, it's a really uh, amazing way to kind of practice some of the things that we were just talking about there. Mm. I've experienced it once, and and hearing you talk about it now has almost convinced me to try it again. Because actually, <laughs> when I did try it, was when I was at the peak of my trauma or nervous system dysregulation, though I didn't know it back then. Mm. Um, and so I'd be really curious to see how it might be now that I feel in a much more regulated and healed state. Um, but I couldn't agree with you more that, I mean, I think we need to be teaching this to children, to our children, but in schools as well. Like, how do we stay in touch with direct experience? How do we realize that actually that's where the power is and where the lessons are and where the growth is? And, you know, like, how do we, train ourselves so that we can if we are feeling pain you know be with it and um not in a way that then obviously becomes dangerous because we also need to be discerning right when we need to get out of situations change situations Mm. i mean there therein lies the the paradox of life if you like or where wisdom and discernment really have to come in you know Mm. where is it that i need to lean into this Mm. and feel it and accept it and where is it where i need to say you know um, this is this is is not safe anymore (laughs) right exactly i do not need to be doing this i'm out of here you know um but but i love what you said about that you know Mm. learning to lean into it i think um the world would be a better place if we're all able to um to um look at our own Mm, shadows and our own darkness and dare to bring that light to it because that's when we do the healing work that's when we can become a healing presence for others Mm. right and that is when we can start to actually break those cycles of violence and trauma and re-traumatization when Mm. I can when I'm capable of shining a light in my own darkness that means I'm capable to look at yours um and bring that love and, and kindness and compassion to it, which um, is the root of healing. Mm, absolutely. Um, you you also mentioned uh, the word trust um, mm. and 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 kind of trusting in in something. Um, mm. how, how can people bring more more trust? Do you think into into the process of of healing because it is hard sometimes if you've really been going through it to to trust in a higher power or the universe or god or whatever you whatever makes sense uh, for for you individually mm. it mm. can be quite hard to do that um mm. do you have 100%. any advice there i think we have to meet ourselves where we're at what I've come to really appreciate is that we don't need to have the answers, but we need to be willing, Mm. open to and curious about. And so, you know, I have done and continue to do a lot of talking with God and asking these questions. Why God is there so much pain and suffering in the world? Why God is there war? You know, we don't know the answers. And I think, um, Certainly in, in, in our Sufi tradition, you know, we say that God is as close to you as your jugular vein, right? Like just there. So ask, you know, um, ask for what you need. Um, 
if you have got these questions and ask, um, inquire, and then and then listen. Mm. Listen to what comes back. That guidance is, a, is available to all of us, but most of the time we're too noisy to listen or we don't even ask in the first place. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, you know, I part of my practice has been not only just being this sort of conversation, literally as if, you know, God's my mate <laughs> and I can just, you know, pick up the phone and be like, <laughs> what is going on? I don't get this, you know, yeah. but, but to develop this practice of, and, you know, you can do it whichever way you want to get to that quiet point, but of asking these questions. Mm. And that can be sometimes when um, um, either it's about these bigger questions, like we just said, or um, asking, you know, who do I need to be now in order to deal with this situation? Yeah. What do I need to become or what do I sometimes ask? What do I need to let go of to be able to deal with this? So it's really that trust is a two-way thing and it's like a muscle that you have to kind of flex and train. And Mm. so part of that is asking Mm. and waiting for that guidance and see how it may come to you. It may not come to you as like a voice in your head (laughs) or, you know, like, this is God speaking to you. But, (laughs) you know, it may come to you as an inspiration. an idea a friend who shows up at the right time Mm. an opportunity that presents itself in the right time you know when you have that willingness that openness that that curiosity you will start to notice these serendipitous events Mm. these synchronicities and Mm. that will increase your trust further yeah so then you listen more and you ask more and you and you surrender more so it's it's really a and it's really an ongoing daily practice it's you know I I kind of say to my clients look you would never dream of brushing your 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 teeth like once every five days and having breakfast one day and dinner the next and lunch in seven days like you do them every day Mm, yeah yeah. So do your mental health, your spiritual health practices every day. Mm. And this doesn't have to be an hour each thing. And then, oh, my God, there's no time for life. No, but, you know, find what works for you and then do it. And if that means you're doing your gratitude practice while you brush your teeth and do that, you know, yeah. if that means you have your conversation with God when you are having your coffee, then do that. Fit it into the way that works for you, but do it. It reminds me of that advice there. Yeah, I like that advice. It reminds me of um, James Clear from uh, Atomic Habits, where he he talks about you know tacking new habits onto habits you already have. Exactly, exactly. Habit stacking is such a great way of of just getting into a flow of something new that you Mm. want to do. Yeah. Um, And and starting small, but it really starts with that willingness, that openness, that you know um do with me what you want i'm willing show me the way mm, like how being willing yeah yeah you absolutely. know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i agree um okay and just the, the final question if you only had one piece of advice for people who might be struggling with with ocd anxiety it's a tough question mm. but uh what would that uh what would that advice be Oh, gosh, one, just one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I want to say, um, share about it. Mm. We can get so wrapped and imprisoned in our issues in our illnesses pains whatever it is and we lock ourselves away and and then we wonder why we don't feel the love and we feel unsupported and we feel alone and we feel isolated so I have found it so powerful every time I have been vulnerable and shared with a friend god I'm struggling Mm. 
I have found it so empowering every time I've written a blog and shared and then had someone come back and say, oh, my God, I needed to hear that. Thank you. Because I thought I was the only one who was struggling with this. Share, because you will then know you are in a net. You are not alone. Yeah. Yeah. You are absolutely not alone. We are all woven together in this blanket of humanity. And so don't feel isolated. Know that you are there part of the net. Share it, whether you're sharing your struggles with a loved one or whether with others who may um, need to hear what your what your story is and what you're going through. Share. Absolutely. Fantastic. That's really good advice to, to finish uh, to finish with there. Um, thank, you. thank you so much for your time. Um, mm. If people would like to, to know more about you, what, what can they do? So um, I would love to hear from anyone um, who may want to um, get my support in any way. Um, my website is called drrollahallam.com. I offer a free discovery session um, for anyone who is interested to um taste and experience um work what we're working together with me would be would be like you can book a the discovery session on my website that i just gave you there drrellahallam.com um and i'd love to hear from you so please get in touch amazing fantastic so uh, thank, thank you, you so much me. again cheers thank you so much just a quick reminder that if you want to get a free session, all you need to do to get that is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. And there you can leave me a message and we can arrange the uh, free session. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to, on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist or any other medical or mental health professional.